welcome back. We have finally rebranded. This is Podcast of X. I am Kyle. Danny, who are you? I, I am Danny, and I, I thought we were, were split on this. I thought it's Podcast of 10. Oh, right, right. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. <laughs> or, or we are a podcast of Roman numeral of X. Because <laughs> we want to be verbose about it. We can't have anything concise. That's not, this, is, this is a new era we live in. Exactly. Yeah, no, podcast of Xorx. I, I think we can. I think we can be comfortable with that one. I, I. I don't think ten just sounds catchy like the writers of the current X Men run. <laughs> sounds weird. Yeah, it sounds weird. <laughs> Powers of ten. Powers of ten. I mean, it works. I get it. House of X works. Powers of ten. It's. It's a fun one. You. You. You have to kind of beat it in. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's it's 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 not working for me. I'm gonna call it Powers of X. Unfortunately, deal with it. <laughs> so it is written. So shall it be done. <laughs> so it shall be. Yes. So um, one thing I wanted to point out is that uh, uh, Hickman is uh, credited as head of X in this series, and everything, <laughs> everything, even the ones he's not writing, even G- this, Jerry this Jerry's official title. To, yeah, his official title, head of X. Does, is wow. that like a? Is that him? Um, is that like essentially a editorial role or is that just I don't know. What do you think that is just kind of like a it it almost sounds like a ceremonial moniker that they're applying to him in like a weird kind of uh I guess you could say some sort of uh camaraderie uh, push or I guess it's like it's a show he's helming it to kind of make him like the leader in moral ways than just the t- t- traditional editorial title. I'm head of X. All shall bow down to me. All shall listen. Jerry Dugan, come here. Come here. Come here. What are you doing with Psylocke? Don't do that. Don't do All that. All that is X must fall before me and be decided upon, for I am head of X, and thus no X will be passed before this head without any decision. <laughs> uh... I hope that's how Hickman carries himself with his over-the-top science and conspiracy nylon boards in the background while he's building out the rest of the chapter. Yes. I like that we're building out this elaborate like back backstory of Hickman. What's I'm more sure exciting, we... his writing or how it was written? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So we left off last week. We talked about. We learned about Moira. We learned about her lives. Um, we also learned about uh, the ge- different generations of X or the powers of Ten. Whatever. And we traveled from year 10 to year 100 to year 1000 learning uh, what happens to mutants and what happens to artificial intelligence. And in this issue, we are going to learn about machines and we're going to learn about Nimrods. It's Nimrod! You mean that itty bitty soup can? Give me five seconds. What what is your opinion about Nimrod so far? Pre pre House of X and post House of X, or pre House of X and pre Powers of X. Well, last time we went to a bit of detail about kind of like what the seemed like the conceptualization of what Nimrod represents in the X Men story arcs and in the hierarchy of machine development. But overall, in my opinion, Nimrod always seemed kind of like a force where they were like, how do we write in uh, an opponent that's higher than the standard uh, rogues gallery? Like someone who is like, oh, no, someone's probably going to die. And X-Men have to now decide what do we do to deal with this? We can't just do the normal, like approach it with our training. We have to change things up. So Nimrod's always kind of been a bit of a game changer every time he's thrown into a story just due to his level of power and just tenacity. I mean, it's usually, like I said, it's toe-in-toe. Nimrod shows up, someone usually dies. Someone like, does usually die. Yeah. At least, like, a main character. Like, someone were like, oh, we didn't expect that person to get, you know, iced, and now they're gone. Nimrod, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, you ready? You ready to dive just straight into House of X, issue number three? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'd hit the ground running with this one. They they jump right into, like, the city streets, and they show you kind of, like, what the the humans of of the far-flung future are doing for their their human-to-robot conversion upgrades. <laughs> we see Human 2.0 right off the right off the bat. Sure, yeah. 
All right. So um, before we see Human 2.0, we start off with uh, Cyclops and uh, Magneto and Xavier, and they're just they're just hanging out. And uh, Magneto seems to be championing Cyclops. And we talked about this last week a little bit, but this is kind of like reinforcing that idea that Magneto is kind of like he's embracing a kind of mentor-mentee role again with both Charles and Magneto, it seems, this time, and is no longer this, like, uh, militant uh, Cyclops that we've seen previously from, like, the past 10 years. The Dark Days, if you will. Yes, yes, in, and House of X, correct. That's where we start off in and seeing the transition to uh, what now Cyclops is doing as kind of the the point man in between what Charles and Magneto have evolved into and we now see what Cyclops has become because these characters have now reached this point what's the fallout tied to the characters that normally grow up around them right and uh, essentially we're prepping for a mission here and uh, they're on the, the dark side of the moon right they're on Orcus is that what it's called uh, when they're heading off for the first mission in uh, House of X issue three, yes, uh, yes, that's the that's the dark side of the moon. Yeah, that that's kind of like that throwback spot where they've had a lot of interesting things throughout the past. I mean, going back to Phoenix even with the end where pretty much that's where Scott killed Fe- uh, Jean originally when she was the Phoenix. Right? Was it, this happened right here on the dark side of the moon? Right, Orcus. That was Correct. where the throwdown was. Yeah. So that's. Down. That's why this seems kind of like they're playing on that kind of older significance that the X-Men mythos is already flushed out. Yes, so we're integrating a lot of the old stuff here, for sure. Yeah, but it's a pretty cool team they put together. I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at like, very classic X-Men lineup with a few more um, less, less memorable characters put in. I like M. I think she's a cool character, and she seems very mm-hmm. strong. And sometimes she's written being, like, really powerful. But um, what is that? Husk is the other character they brought along? Husk. That... Yeah, okay. See, I, I, I wasn't even 100% sure, but I recognized off the character design. I was like, that looks like Husk. I, I always feel that Husk is, is a strange character that never really got to shine, but seems powerful. I like, how, I like her powers. They seem very, very um, verbose and very like drawn out. But I, I've never really seen her shine and have her like, oh shit moment. Kind of how uh, Pyro had. A while back <laughs> so but this she, is a good team it's a good team so Hus could uh like she sheds her skin and she could like change her skin right yeah it, almost in like a reactionary way like to she can shed her skin and make a skin fitting of whatever she's trying to encounter or how, how she wants to deal with the moment it's a very ridiculous power but it, she never really i i never saw her got written in a way or get written in a way where she shined as like maybe like a a leader of a team, but uh, but I'm glad to see she's getting some love here at least in this chapter. Also, wanted to point out Jean Grey wearing the sport in the old first class uniform. Oh yeah, yeah, and Wolverine's got he's got the more classic uh, orange Wolverine style uniform meshed in with the yellow. It's like his has kind of got more unique design. Uh, Archangel's got kind of his more modern Archangel look. Mystique is classic Mystique, and and definitely Nightcrawler is classic Nightcrawler. Yeah. And Pachina is is the retroest of all, <laughs> almost out of place. Like she's standing there and looking like she's like straight off of a a time shift or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I dig it though. I I like that. I like that. That's the gene they went with. Because yeah. in this group, I mean, it would have made sense that they went with more of the. The Claremont era, like Jean, like when she was like first introduced in like the animated series, you know that, yeah, Jean. yeah, because that seemed like that's the kind of era they're pulling from with some of these characters. But then they went with the classic. I I respect that. That's a good, that's a good like kind of uh, I guess you could say historical Easter egg that they're throwing into it. And that's what we were discussing a while back with Hickman is that he does a lot of this appreciation of the mythos and kind of bling, brings it out and kind of puts it on display and says like look at these things i know about this stuff isn't it great look how it fits in here isn't this weird but isn't it awesome at the same time enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
that's cool. Pulling a lot from Hick, or pulling a lot from Claremont, which I like. I enjoy bringing back that old time. It seems to be always reminding us of those those good times of X Men in this run. Exactly. Slight snippets. Um, and the outfit's pretty awesome. Oh, I wanted to point out, like, at this moment, I read, um, getting ahead of myself, reading Excalibur. I was all like, dude, freaking Gambit's outfit's so badass. I thought it was, like, a new outfit. It turns out it's not really a new outfit. He just had his jacket kind of opened, and I don't know if I've ever seen his jacket really open. It's always in that closed, very, like, Neo-esque look. And oh, I'm all like, you've oh, never- sick outfit, bro. I mean, he's like, got- when he's, like, damaged and battle-damaged a little bit, sure. And then you see that, like, pink vest inside, right? The little, like, pink, like... Yeah, and he's got that kind of, like... You can see like kind of like a rubber jumpsuit looking kind of thing underneath, and it's, but it was, it's hard to really make it out. Yeah, it, it, they rarely show it. You know what? Actually, yeah, I, I have seen it a few times. Maybe it is drawn a slightly different that, but it was put. It was like it was like uh, I don't know. It was bugging me. It was bugging me a little bit, and I was like, "Is it just because his jacket's open?" Anyways, new outfits. <laughs> Everyone's getting new outfits, which is cool. I like, and some people are getting classic outfits. Moving on, um, so they leave off on their mission into space and then we cut to uh hickman doing um his uh doing his mad mad like scientist uh uh all these infographs and uh, he he explains the machines and um he starts with uh it goes uh sentinel to nimrod progression and it starts with sentinels a sentinel is a non-sentient mutant hunting robot Based on non-replicating adaptive technology, so think those stupid ass motherfuckers in the uh, '90s animated show, bumping into shit, uncoordinated, not doing, uncoordinated, <laughs> not doing anything correct, clumsy doing- <laughs> as all hell. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So these these are just basic bitch robots right here. Um, but moving forward, we get the uh, Master Mold, which is a replicating adaptive uh, Sentinel factory that is self-aware and capable of creating Sentinel drones itself. Um, and um, we've seen uh, Master Molds in the past. Think of like uh, Ease for Extinction, right? We've seen that like rogue Master Mold out in, what was it, the Amazon? Just hanging out. Yeah, just always chilling in his giant like throne, pumping out sentinels all day, hooked up to stuff. Also very clumsy, not very coordinated. <laughs> yeah. Even, maybe even a little worse because he's bigger, so he's got more gravity to deal with. Yeah, so Hick- Hickman's not making this up. He's pulling from the past, for sure. But moving forward um, from Master Molds, then we get the Mother Molds, a replicating adaptive sentinel factory that is self-aware and capable of creating Master Molds. While a Master Mold is incapable of improving beyond its ultimate sentinel state, it's theorized that given enough time, a Mother Mold is capable of producing purely adaptable machine-based uh, nano sentinel uh, based on nano sentinel technology. So uh, thinking back to um, like Days of Future Past, right? Um, yeah. He's he's bringing in like the the uh, nano the techno organic virus uh, that we've seen in the past, but he's 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 reusing it for his own uh, for the, his own needs, his own story. Is this you creating bit. like the uh, the Omega Sentinels from like a type of like Sentinel or nano based infection? That kind of right. goes from there. Yeah, that because it's it's due to that type of type of progression that you eventually get to the Omega Sentinels. Right. So they eventually evolve and are able to produce Omega Sentinels, which are humans infected with nano Sentinel technology, and it progressively transformed from humans to machine. And uh, we're going to go and discuss the uh, Omega Cycle uh, in a second. But um, after that, it essentially evolves into a Nimrod, which is a pure nano-sentinel construct. A anti-mutant adaptive, self-aware, self-replicating, and virtual, virtually indestructible. I can't talk today. <laughs> You're the top of the food chain. 
Yeah, so that's that's Nimrods are the the peak of evolution for the machines. Exactly. And it was all broken down in a nice little like tangent that was uh, kind of out of place because it seemed like they were going to do a lot of the expletive um, outlines and blueprints at the end of each issue, but this one just pops up a few issues, like a few chap, a uh, few pages in, and you're just getting like a quick breakdown and like an understanding of like from this point forward, all these are going to be shown, and you now see how they correspond in the story's hierarchy and packing order. Right, and Hickman's just peppering this in right here. He's not—he's not taking us to the future or the past. We're still sticking to the present, and we move to Project Achilles, which is a super maximum security prison. Um, and I like that they noted that each inmate has the ability to have one visitor once a year, and that they specifically noted that no one has chosen to take this option. <laughs> this place is gritty. <laughs> that's how that's how that's how gritty this place is. Not even someone's mother wants to visit the, these people. Alcatraz is a cakewalk compared to this place. No one visits. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that was brilliant. Um yep. Project Achilles is something else. It it's definitely it was a quick it's like we picked a pace where you're just like digesting that information about the Sentinels and then all of a sudden they're just like, and here's some other government secret organizations going in behind this. It's like this mythos is growing so fast and so quickly. And I love how it's just laid out bluntly to us. Like some comics will do this weird expletive where they'll try to have like characters narrate what this content information is. And mm-hmm. Hickman's just like, no, here it is. Just read it and let's just get read it. it. Yeah. I'm not going to hide it and sneak it to you. I'm just going to put it out there because I am I have a greater hidden message that I don't want this to muck up. Exactly. And I love that. I love, like we mentioned last week, I'm loving all these like charts, graphs, and like little just chunks of information that he throws out there. Definitely. I, I want to read, I'll, I'll read a novel. I want to read the light novel, the Jonathan Hickman X-Men light novel. I would read that. Oh, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, I'd be down for that. I would definitely dive into something like that. Probably get the audiobook because I'm lazy, but, you know. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think he has the ability to write, a, like, a full book? Oh, definitely. The chops? Definitely. With the, this stuff that we've seen and then some of the stuff he put back in, like, his Fantastic Four era or, like, a lot of the stuff that he probably never got to use during Secret Wars, he could just take that leftover content and make his own book. Oh, yeah, for sure. That'd be great. Easily. Yeah. So moving on, we are essentially in a courtroom and uh, someone's being uh, tried, and we find out that this person is Sabretooth. And this motherfucker's looking swole as fuck. It's classic Sabretooth. Right? Yeah, I dig that. Like, you see, because there's uh, two soldiers behind him, and they're about like three feet apart way but still they're looking tiny compared to Sabretooth and I really dig this design it reminds me of like yeah classic Sabretooth he's all yoked out man watch out he's been hitting the gym <laughs> he broke out his classic spandex he got back on his exercise game and he's he's a whole new man being tried yes. by a system the system is on trial here <laughs> <laughs> And that's pretty much what he's doing. He says, I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. I'll fuck your mother. Yep. Go fuck yourself. I don't give a fuck. And it's then, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and then when that happens, we get, uh, we're, we're introduced to uh, M. Frost. She walks in. To the Cuckaroos. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 wait, the wait, Stepford Cuckaroos? I, I always say cuckoos. Cuckoos or, Cuckoo, cuckoos, cuckoos or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's only um, two of them now. Is that does that mean like another one died? Because there was five. I'm sure there's more. Oh, did, did they die? I know two of them died. I always thought there was three, but I only see two here. So it could be another one. Yeah, maybe they got it like hanging out, hanging out in the car. Keep the she car. Fell running. As- she fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. She didn't. She didn't. Her alarm didn't wake her up. <laughs> like, we can't wait all day. We yeah, we gotta go. <laughs> we got a government court to crash. The trial's almost over. Yeah, now is the time to walk in menacingly. Gitmo was like seven miles from here. 
And she pretty much walks in and she's like, uh, yo, this is a mutant. He needs to be tried by mutants. So she's essentially invoking a diplomatic immunity, more or less. And she's just like, yo, we're going to take him and we're going to try him for ourselves. Pretty much. And um, what happens? She She doesn't use her powers. She doesn't do anything. She just pretty much says... Takes them right. No one. They didn't even give give her a hard time. She uses the law to her side. She pretty much breaks it down in a in a very, um, I guess you could say, she broke it down in a way that says that this issue is so touchy that if you were to move on it or interfere with it, you would cause public outcry. Uh, outcry. You would be breaking laws. You would cause much more red tape to be thrown up than if you would just let me do what I came here to do, and. If you try to stop us, all of that force, that legal and bureaucratic force will come down upon everyone here in a way that has never been shown before. And that's pretty much what it was. Is she just threw a giant law like threat on the table and that and that pretty much worked. That bluff got them all through. They were like, oh, all right, well, just fuck it. Take him. We've all seen Die Hard. We know how this works. <laughs> you can't mess with that diplomatic immunity. You just can't. But here's a thing that I know Hickman's playing with time, and it kind of uh, threw me off a little bit. Because at this point in time, is Krakoa a nation state officially yet? And does this technically, would this technically work if it's not a nation state yet? Was it, I don't know if it was Dawn of X or uh, House of X 1, but when Charles made his announcement, I thought that was the official unveiling, yeah, unveiling. Uh, I guess the official announcement that he was saying this is now us as a nation making our presence known. At least I believe that's what happened. Okay, okay, that makes sense then. That's yeah. I, I thought. I thought it was just all like, "Hey, come to Krakoa. All mutants come to Krakoa," and then like it started seeding the nation state. But if if he started, if he actually stated uh, that it was, he announced it as a nation. Then that makes more sense. I, was, I did not catch that. He was just trying to generate tourist activity. He's like, come to Krakoa, stay, have a great time. Yes. It's like Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it seems like that was them making their, that was their big, like, reveal of just, okay, we we are going to be a nation from this point forward. These are our rules. This is how we're going to play. If you guys can be okay with that, then we'll all get along fine. But if there's a problem, then you're going to see how messy that gets real quick. And that's essentially what she was doing here is playing off of that. She was saying like, hey, you know, it's 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 no secret how the legal system works when it comes to sovereignty and and diplomatic immunity. And you guys understand that better than anyone, seeing as this is more of like kind of a secret government court kind of situation. So they get those rules and she leveraged that against them so she could get, of all people, Sabretooth, you know, out. <laughs> now they got Sabretooth. He's now on they board. Got <laughs> yes. They got their own. Krakoa has its own saber tooth. <laughs> so they just take him and they bail. They're like, deal with it. Deal with us. Mutants, bitch. And then we cut to the Omega Cycle. Now, we all know that Homo sapiens had copious amounts of sex with Neanderthals. And so, too, does the AI have sex with Homo sapiens and Homo superior. And that is what we call the Omega Cycle, people. And it's essentially just the affection process and how the – I made it sound sexier than it was. You did. You really, <laughs> you really, you really took it up to PG-13 on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially the uh yeah the infection cycle of uh, essentially seeding the techno-organic virus to coming a omega state essentially so we start out with the uh, step number one which is infection a human host is injected with the nano sentinel technology and uh i believe we did we saw that in powers of x issue number two right we saw no we saw ascension right so we actually have not uh been shown um the seeding of the techno organic virus which i think we'll get in the next 
issue, Powers, Powers of X three. Yes. yes. So we'll be shown that next episode, people. So after after infection, we go to nesting. Self replicating biology machines propagate within the host. So it's just like shit spreading in your body, getting nasty, like cold. No, I guess that's replication, right? So replication is step three. Biological machines replace the existing host systems and organs. So that's more like a virus where it's just spreading throughout your body. Correct, yeah. F- fun times. Do you think it hurts? Do oh. you think it's painful in any no, of these states? It, it seems like it's working in tandem with just your everyday bodily functions. Like It gets to a point where it says that it's like replicating your organs with biomechanical organs. Yes. So I imagine... Having biomechanical organs is a lot sturdier and more reliable than just generic human organs. So it probably doesn't. You probably start to feel better as time goes on because you essentially become a a renewed human in a biomechanical way. Oh, yeah. But I I can imagine at some point it's not fun. (laughs) There's (laughs) There's probably parts of it. Maybe the infection point. Yeah. Ah, burns. Yeah, I was thinking at that part, you were just kind of like, oh, what was that? That sucks. And then later on, you're just like, oh, I'm okay. And then you're just not you anymore. <laughs> robot has swapped out your brain with robot brain. <laughs> Some invasion of the body snatcher stuff on like a next level. It is. It is. Um, and then step four is dormancy. During the dormant period, the biological host is partially transformed from organ t- organic to machine. So it's just another phase in your body slowly getting taken over by the machine. Step five is activation. Post-dormancy transformation, a host becomes operative and is capable of activating in proximity to a mutant. So this is like when you become a racist. Step five, all of a sudden you're just like, you know, I really hate mutants now. You're like a sleeper cell, like a <laughs> Manchurian candidate for mutants. They have like a code word that can like activate. <laughs> yeah, and just like kill all mutants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just all of a sudden, the dude at the corner market lost his shit. <laughs> <laughs> he seems such a nice guy. He came in every day. I don't. I don't get it. That that seventy five year old man tried to murder me with a weird blaster cannon he had built into his arm. That was even stranger. Did he always have that buster cannon? <laughs> Shook his hand once. <laughs> wasn't there. I'm pretty sure he had a hand. I'm yeah, pretty sure it was a hand. Something's off. <laughs> so this is moving on from activation, we go to step six: union. Post activation, the human host becomes aware of the combined consciousness of it and the sentinel directives it has been infected with this is almost always a prolonged process that mirrors those recovering from trauma so is this like i always thought this is like your consciousness like still existing but kind of fighting off the uh, robot consciousness and then it eventually just takes over in the next step yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed the thing where it's like it's like a weird onset of like schizophrenia where you like you just hear that voice in the back of your head telling you to do things, <laughs> <laughs> just telling you to burn down that mutant orphanage. <laughs> You're just having a good time, just hanging out, going for a walk, enjoying nature, and then out of nowhere, just like, man, I could really kill a mutant right now what it is but something's telling me i just need to set this fire (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't me i swear it was the voice of my (laughs) oh yeah it's it's an interesting progression and then you just become a robot one day and you're just like all right i'm over it i'm over all this human shit (laughs) yeah yeah and that's step seven adaptation total immigration you become you pretty much just like bam no more consciousness gone so you think it just disappears, or you think you? So what happens if your consciousness disappears? It's pretty much all robot. And that I picture tiny little nanobots just devouring what's you and pooping out ro- a robot replacement as it goes along. So yeah, it's you. You are bye bye at some point. Okay. Okay. And then step eight is Omega Total Machine State. You've reached hundred percent. Full AI. And Hickman shows a chart. Or no, no, he shows a graph at the bottom. 
Yeah, it's like the most pointless graph. Can we talk about how pointless this graph is? At the I, bottom? I, I thought super... I was missing something at first because when I looked at it, I was like, well, what is what is the greater like purpose here? Is there something that this is going to be referenced to later or is this going to hold much more relevance than I'm seeing? And then I, I realized it's not really that important. It's not as important. It's just straightforward right. for what you take it at. Yeah, the chart that we just discussed is all the information you need. You didn't need to bring a like a wheel and a graph into this. He's like, if, if you wanted to see how it all met, it all went together in a visual representation. Here it is, and you're like, well, why would I need that? <laughs> <laughs> you answered a question no one asked. <laughs> Although I, looking looking at it longer, I'm wondering if it's like uh like the blacked out. Like, and there should be, there would be, like, words there describing each state. But it's, I don't know. No, that doesn't make sense either. No, this is pointless. It's pointless. We're moving. Oh, yeah, I really, like, <laughs> even in the intelligence and how they all work, it's still the, this didn't play into any of that visual representation. So, yeah, I I, I could not find the greater meaning in this one, or at least uh, anything more than what you really just see here and what it shows, how it shows it all connects, but could have been done without. Yeah, indeed. So moving forward, we cut back to uh, we cut back to the X jet making its way to what looks like a mother mold, and it's referred to as the Orcus Forge. Yeah, it's like a, a straight up. It's like if they took like a giant master mold head and mm-hmm. put it in like a satellite, and just said, "This is where we live now." Yeah, right next to the sun. Yeah, right next to the sun. <laughs> Super toasty. Like, if, if if they wanted to make something that looked like the antithesis of Magneto's, like, Asteroid M, they, they, they found it. This is perfect. <laughs> I think it's just right there in the center, just staring at you. I'm like, why? Why is it? Why? Why did they just build it like a normal satellite? Why did they have to put the head in that way? <laughs> It's a very strange uh, conceptualization where they're like, well, we're going to take the, we need the brain from it. We need this type of technology, but we, we also need the housing that goes around it. Like, it needs its weird helmet and face. Right? <laughs> we had to keep <laughs> Does it talk? Like, does it like the, the, like, cause how Master Mold actually talks? Yeah, it talks. Does, does the, the weird Mother Mold star sh- or like a uh, space station like actually talk at people <laughs> it's just like there's a ship approaching <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you want <laughs> can i land no <laughs> <laughs> it just goes full rick and morty show me what you got <laughs> yeah, i hope it talks like that yeah <laughs> uh. Well, the the default Master Mold voice from like the animated series is pretty good too. So, I mean, if it's got that, I'm I'm just as happy. <laughs> yeah, and um, so essentially, we are met with um, we're not met with. Essentially, they want to. They're like, "Yo, the X Men are here. We need to stop them." And this dude named Erasmus, which looks like it's the husband of the scientist lady. Which did they yeah. give a name to Miss Miss Science Lady? Um, I don't remember a hundred percent. I think it might have been something a little more, in a uh, little informal in passing, but I yeah I don't recall. I'm gonna continue to call her Miss Science Lady. So Miss, that works. That works. <laughs> yeah. I can dig it. <laughs> so essentially, uh, this Erasmus dude, which is like yo. I'm going to save us. He goes and he tries to stop the X-Jet. And then um, we're given um, Nightcrawler. Because Nightcrawler is always the first one to hop in, right? He's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see. I'm going to I'm going to scout. And he, and he, and he, um, he bamps on in. Bamps on in. Yep. Bamps all over the place. Classic Nightcrawler. And he's rocking his sword, which is ah. Oh, every time Nightcrawler has the sword, I'm I'm just like yes. Yeah, I dig the sword. I dig the sword. You don't see the sword that often, or you have no, not really, and not as much as like you would see it like in like the Age of Apocalypse universe. He had like two, I think, 
even in that. But yeah, as of late, it seems like they've been bringing it back more. Yes. Yeah, which I dig. So as as Nightcrawler bamps around, Miss Science Lady talks to Erasmus. She's like, yo, they have a teleporter. And then what happens is the X-Jet was able to dock. They were all like, man, fucking that Master Mold wouldn't shut the fuck up while we were docking. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you here? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I guess it, it's like if you take the mother mold concept and you put it in like any type of system, it, it's it's now. Or I guess if you take the master mold computer and like just beef it up and just hook it up to anything, it's now a mother mold. It seems like that's the concept they were going off of, because yeah. I I really don't understand why they would have kept the head design. Because when they show it the other <laughs> chapters, it's different. Yeah. It's more of a digital concept, so like exactly that's what this, I was Yeah, this software. Yeah, yeah, this whole mother mold, mother, mother mold physical representation is is wonky, but I, I love it. It's it's super amusing. Well, it gives me the notion or idea that it they stole this. It wasn't like they didn't build it or they didn't make it themselves they stole it and re-engineered it for their own purposes almost because do we know what miss science lady is doing because she she's almost set up like a new bad guy yeah well she's a part of that greater organization that is the amalgamation of like hydra and shield agents that are all put together to like just deal with the mutant threat quote-unquote and this is like their their uh you could say their great headquarters kind of like how in the mcu movie they kind of set up that one scroll uh space station as like the new hub for shield mm-hmm. this is kind of like their greater hub to all their other lower workings and what would be more perfect than having a master mold as the center of your saddle or your your space station but then uploading the mother mold into that which i thought would upgrade their space station a lot more but it still seems kind of jury rigged but I like super, that. Super Jerry rigged. I, I can I can respect that. It it is much more entertaining. Not as practical rationality wise, but much more entertaining comic book wise. So I, I love it. <laughs> I can live with it. Yes, and we mentioned Miss Science Lady is kind of being set up to be a bad guy. And I say this because what happens next is the X-Men try to breach the hole, and this Erasmus guy is like all right, I'm going to try to save us. And he essentially blows himself up and commits suicide. Kamikazes, yeah. Kamikazes the shit out of himself and blows up the X-Jet in the process. Yeah. Um, and this is what could give uh, motivation to Miss Science Lady to be a big baddie. I'm going to figure out her name eventually. <laughs> Or it may never come up. She could ascend in some sort of like biological human creature that is nameless. <laughs> right. And I, I did you you watch the uh, the comics explain? So Rob Jefferson mentioned that this. He said that this is a moment that kind of like shows a diversion in days of future past did you get that and i wasn't i didn't really understand that concept that he meant when he explained that uh regarding this moment he said it was a much it was a divergent from the normal days of future past timeline or he's saying that this is showing that there's it's going to change days of future past i thought he was saying something along the lines that this seems like it's setting up days of future past or or accelerating days of future past. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what he yeah. specifically yes. said. Yeah, that's the change. Is it's accelerating the days of future past timeline in a way? It seems like it's going that route. I mean, with Nimrod and how they're approaching that, and also um, the concept of the uh, hounds is is a, pl- a prevalent thing. So it seems like yeah, the days of future past timeline is coming into play in one way or another. Right. So that's interesting. Um, and then uh, we are left with uh, a quote, because this is the end of the issue. We are left on that explosion. Um, and the quote is, for you to die, you would have to be forgotten. And no one forgets a founder of a nation. 
and that is from Magneto. But that is usually the end of the chapter, or the end of the issue, but it is not in this one. If we move forward, we have a new infographic called Krakoan, and it's explaining the new language created by uh, the mutant kind. And it's essentially, upon arriving to Krakoa, uh, a telepath will imprint the language into your mind. So you just know it once you get to the island, pretty much. Which is pretty cool. I wish I could do that for languages. Just have like a telepath imprint all languages into your mind. Man, would that make things a lot easier. Goddamn, oh. right? Jeez. I think people would... It would also solve a lot of problems because things get lost in translation and communication all the time. And think about all the wars and weird catastrophes that could have been averted over the years if we had some sort of just basic communication amongst all humankind. Right. This one was a, a more of a shocking kind of route to go. The fact that there's an actual language that is going to be mandated through what Krakoa offers and that they give us the actual key for it, which I'm I'm just constantly finding these keys more and more enthralling with each issue that comes out. This is this is a good one. Now going back to how you mentioned you read uh Excalibur, what was the translation? Because they mention and I remember you showed me that that clip I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking of, trying of to what cipher it. Yeah, what Apocalypse, because Apocalypse says what his new name is. Apparently he renames himself, and he he says one of these, I guess, letters, or there's a combination of it or something that kind of reveals it. I don't see the letters. They don't seem to exist. I, I, I think I cracked the code. It says, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Oh. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it says, but I mean, I don't know. My Krakoan is a little rough. Yeah, a little rough on the Krakoan. <laughs> yeah. uh. I, I really don't know what uh, it says, and I haven't had a chance to really mess with it, but I, I think this is this is just another level of Hickman's ambition getting laid out here, and I love it. Yeah, I'm 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 digging it. I'm digging what I see. I'm digging what I what I what I read, what I see, what I imagine from what I read and see. The it's thoughts that are drawn within my mind, behind yes. my eyes. <laughs> They're all great. Give me a lot of a lot of dopamine, a lot of endorphins. These are good things. At least that's what my mind tells me. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a very unique thing. Like this this weird letter key and like legend breakdown is is fascinating and is kind of explained in another way that kind of throws back to what we were joking about with the the movie tropes about like oh we're just gonna let you read my mind and you know all the stuff that you need to know so we we can get past all this real quick he writes this so fast it's like so it's that's another thing i was touching on earlier is that like he didn't break down what the story needed to tell you to get this information to you he just shoved it in your face and said like here it is here's all of it here's it in its purest form the blueprint Here's a blueprint of what I'm doing. You can read it, and the story will continue, and you have the information in mind moving forward. You don't have to waste pages like explaining this. You can just get it all out of the way in one bulk shot. Just think about it. If they had to write it in organically in a way that the characters explain it, that would be like almost a whole issue in itself. Like the Krakoa language could be half an issue of like, say, like it was Krakoa in its physical form trying to explain it to a mutant. <laughs> just like right. what and they have to animate that and it just yeah we lose out on great pages of uh you know pyro cooking uh moira <laughs> <laughs> can't take away from that we need more of that just can't take away from it. yeah so shove it in one page at the end of the book it's a good option um yeah i'm not seeing it's this this language key does not map to what i'm seeing in the latest issue of Excalibur and what Apocalypse is saying, which kind of frustrates me. I thought it would be consistent. Maybe he's speaking an older Cohen dialect. God damn it. <laughs> don't, don't you pull that shit. <laughs> I don't understand Smart your accent. It's really old. You forget Apocalypse is very old. He he might even <laughs> predate Krakoa. He it's might actually, be pre-Krakoa. He's, he's he's accustomed to the southern Krakoan dialect. 
it, it's a form of uh, he speaks a form of Cohen Cotney. <laughs> oh man it's very it's very versatile super hard to understand though yeah, very, very, very rough. But yeah that's unfortunate or maybe it's just one of those things where it's not quite as easy to understand when you break it down it's a, it is a fascinating concept if he can make it actually work a little more fluently then i feel like this would be a this would be a little more genius and less just like oh this is an interesting idea i like what you did here this is fun instead he could pull it off in a way where you're like oh it's really really clever the way you wove that into the story and how the symbols played out into the little secrets and nods but you don't want to go too you know esoteric or avant-garde with these kind of things because then it could it could muddy up the the, the message that you're trying to make Right, yeah. But yeah, hopefully he flushes out a little bit more. Cause could you imagine that this gets on like the popularity of like a Klingon or something <laughs> like that? If he could flesh, if he could actually flesh it out. Oh well, yeah, I mean, crazier things have happened. <laughs> but yeah, I could see Krakoan catching some uh, moment. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I want to see Krakoan catch you some momentum? No. But I believe a, it could happen. It's a we can do it, but should we do it situation? Yeah, man. I took one glance at I, I pulled up the symbol that the Excalibur issue has, and I tried to correspond it to the the legend here, and I'm not nope, right? not even sure what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> So do I just put all of the symbols on top of each other? I mean, this might fit together in a way that's super obvious. This might even be a certain type of like code breaking that's common in like uh, cryptography or not cryptography, but in uh, like some crypto communication. Right. And that's the reason why we're not getting it is because it's it's something that just completely eluded us. <laughs> it's a niche internet type of language that we don't know or science language that we don't know or military language espionage but if that's the case and you can actually find it out and like decipher it that would be actually that would be fun maybe made it challenging on purpose that's the that's the thing he's trying to stump us he's trying to get us or it's a red herring it's all red herring like none of these symbols mean anything (laughs) i know they mean nothing but they literally mean he's just trying to troll his audience this is this is this one moment to fuck with them we spent the time learning it and then he's never gonna fucking use it again yeah never 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 coming up (laughs) got them (laughs) he's become drunk with power (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing over there, Kickman? <laughs> I am head of X. I can make up a language. I made up another one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> new Krakoa. Oh, new Krakoan. Yeah. It's just all telepaths. Everyone's just updating everybody constantly all the time. Did you get the uh, new telepath update? <laughs> sounds like Twitter. Sounds like a nightmare. Oh, gee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The suicide rate in that community would be high. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. I don't want to learn new cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, what was your favorite moment in the issue? Um, This issue didn't have anything I want to say that was like a true standout moment. Like with Pyro, as I like to throw back. But I would say that the nostalgia was probably the high point, like getting old Sabretooth and classic Jean Grey. Those those were probably the highlights and probably my favorite moments. But if I had to say the standout moment overall would have to be the the expletive that went into a lot of these infographs and like just charted information like that i i I enjoyed probably just as much as the overall issue oh yeah yeah i think we pointed that out a little bit last last week too um these graphs are awesome i would definitely want to read a book 
by Hickman, I would definitely just like a companion novel. Imagine. He could write like a yeah, yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, exactly. But maybe I would say my visual standout of the whole of the whole issue would be um, uh, Space Station Master Mold. <laughs> like that is that that is a very dope visual. And as yeah. amusing as I say, and like kind of jury rigged it is, I still appreciate the the. I guess the novelty of it. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I agree for me. Speci- I, I agree with the, uh, the uh, Sabretooth moment, specifically just how he's drawn. Really, yeah. I loved how he was drawn. It really captured my imagination and reminded me of the past days, which was really cool. Um, but now my new moment is just like this new... Uh, this new master mold that we created in our minds that is always just yelling at the sun going, sun, go away. I don't need you here. <laughs> just yelling at things going by. He's getting seen Asteroids and rocks. So this is like, yeah. People inside He's... are just like, ah, it's yelling again. Oh no. We <laughs> accidentally corrupted master mold's programming. He's developed a form of robot synality. <laughs> Oh, jeez. He won't shut up. <laughs> they have to land through his mouth. He just opens up. It's just <laughs> uh, or he, like, spits out. I hope he spits out sentinels. Like, he just opens up and a bunch of sentinels just come flying out. Like a barrage of sentinels. Yeah. Be cool. It would be. This was a good issue. It really was. It was a good issue. I enjoyed it. It, it didn't... It didn't feel like too much of a payoff issue, and no. more it felt more of a build-up issue. Definitely building up to yeah. things coming for sure. Yeah, to like I would say a lesser extent of what the the previous issues had, because the previous issues came heavy with the build-up. This one started you started to get a little bit of progression of what the build-up laid down, but then they stopped instantly and was like, "Here's a lot more build-up. We got more. Well, we got more foundation to build here. You thought we were gonna start actually building this house." The House of X isn't even built yet. This is House of X ground floor. <laughs> ground floor. Just wait. wait you, we're up. getting in on House of X ground floor build. <laughs> but yeah. Awesome. That will do it for this week. For House of X issue number three. We will do Powers of X issue number three next week. So we'll catch you next week peace